Do you think that my arm is short? I can't say it. Do you think my ear is dull? I don't hear it. Do you think my eye is dimmed? I don't see it. I have seen you pray. I have heard you pray. I have heard the request you have made to me concerning the people in your family. I heard you, and I answered when you prayed. There's only one thing lacking for you to do, and that's to start giving me glory and honor. For all that you've asked of me. I want you to appear and, and count your loved ones as saved. Amen. When you see them in your house and you see them by the way, treat them like I answered. Treat them like they're saved. Oh, they'll be confused and that's for sure. But I'm asking you to continue to endure. I'm asking you to walk in love even though those things you cannot see. For I've already answered you. And they will be with you for eternity. Now you go ahead and rejoice in me and give all the glory as it is due. Yes. For I'm telling you this morning, the prayers you prayed, I heard you. <laughs> Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for our Hallelujah. Thank you for the souls of those that we pray for. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those that are lost. Go ahead and just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for those people. Thank you for the backslider coming home. Thank you for those that are lost coming back. Thank you for those that are sick being healed. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for them being in heaven. Thank you for writing their names down. Thank you for reaching out for them. Uh -huh. Thank you, Lord. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Well, glory. Go ahead and be seated. Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I feel sorry for people who got the Holy Ghost in the back room. He has a hard time talking from back there. <laughs> you know, the Spirit of God never ran anybody out of church. Oh, I'll come over here. I should not even in my... Do you know that people are not offended by the Holy Ghost? Folks, listen. We got teenagers right now that are studying the devil. Spiritual things don't bother people. Do you know what bothers them? Is religion. Nobody in this church has ever been offended by the move of God. Now, now, they may get under condemnation because they're not living for God and run out, but when he gets on them, he's on them. Amen. Amen. I had him come on me one time in the woods. My mother was praying for me. But I'm going to tell you, if you're praying for your kids, tell them to give up. I'm in the woods, I'm deer hunting, and the Holy Ghost gets on me. And he asked me a question. He said, Thank God for the rain, amen? Some people are afraid to come to church when it's raining because they're scared they're going to melt. I don't know if they're made out of sugar or salt. I don't know which one they're made out of. But I'm in the woods, and, 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 and I was laying in the leaves, and I said, I wished I was a deer. I'd run up this hill. And the Lord said, if you had a wish, what would you wish? I said, well, I wish I had ten more wishes. And then I said, I would have ten more wishes. I didn't know it was God talking to me. He said, why don't you get real? I said, I wished I knew I was going to heaven when I left this God-forsaken hell hall. You know God heard that? It's amazing when the Holy Ghost gets on you how you think of heaven and hell. You keep praying for them. If they're getting meaner, it's working. You just go, glory to God, the Holy Ghost is on them. They're getting just as mean as they can be right now. Now they're starting to get, they're starting to be bothered is what's wrong. Amen. Some of you folks need to come home in the name of Jesus. Amen. Get your Bibles out and go to Ephesians 6. I'm going to preach a sermon today called The War Within. We talk a lot about wars in the world today. 
the greatest battles that have ever been fought have been fought between the two ears of a man or a woman. The greatest battles you face are in your mind. Joyce Myers wrote a book years ago called The Battlefield of the Mind. Did you know it was a number one bestseller? Why? Because that's where most people are living, and it's what most people are dealing with every day. This morning, before you leave, you are going to learn how to conquer the battlefield of your mind. Because he's, Jesus says, I came that you'd have life and life more abundantly. He wants you to enjoy your life. So I'm going to say something to you right now. We're going to read this in just a moment. Are you a new creation? You're a new species, right? Are you complete in him? Has he not made you perfect? You do not have the ability to produce fear, anxiety, or wicked imaginations. You do not have the ability. Now, I'm going to prove it to you. When you get to heaven, do you think you're going to be sitting over there going, I'm having a bad day? You won't be, will you? Why? Because there will be no devil there. If that's true, if you're having a bad day today, it isn't you. You have a devil bothering you. And today you're going to tell him to leave you alone and take a hike. Because because God does not want to do all he did for you to watch you sad. I'm having a bad day. I, um, I remembered Mark Hankins in his book uh, was talking about a woman who took her little boy to Disney World and, and apparently she's from up north and she flew him down and, and, and she's at Disney and it's his birthday and he is pouting. And Mark walked by and she said, let me tell you something, boy. It cost me too much money to get you down here for you to pout and to whine and to have a bad day. You will straighten up right now and you will be happy. Do you understand me? (laughs) Little boy straightened up. You know, God paid a high price for your redemption for you to be walking around sad. Always walking around going, I'm having a bad day. Well, I said that because I've had a few bad days too, so don't get in condemnation. But I just decided not to stay there. So you're not producing discouragement. You're not producing depression. You're not producing it. It is an outside source who is attempting to take you down. Having said that, Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Verse 10. Put on the whole armor of God so you'll be able to stand against the wiles of who? The devil. You do not wrestle flesh and blood. Some of you do if you're married to the wrong person or even if you're married to the right one and they're having a bad day. For you do not wrestle flesh and blood, but principality powers and rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, some lady came in one day and she said, Pastor Morgan, it's the first church I've ever been to in my life where you preached on the devil. Folks, there is a devil, and somebody needs to remind everybody there is a devil. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have ever heard of a guy named Norval Hayes, but he, he, but he went around, he spent a lot of time casting out devils. And somebody asked him one day, they said, Norval, do you still believe there's a devil under every bush? He said, no, I haven't believed that in a long time. He said, I now believe there's two devils under every bush. In other words, there is a devil... And he's bothering you or attempting to more than you think he is. If you're having bad thoughts, you got a devil talking to you. The thing is, Jesus said, don't take the thought saying. You, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure stop him from building a nest in your hair. You don't have to take the thoughts that are coming at you. You can do something about them. So it says right here, let's go on. 
It says, therefore, take the whole armor of God. You'll be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your waist girded with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Above all, take the shield of faith, which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the, word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in all way with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So where is all of this coming from? In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. That means he can't devour everybody, but he can if you let him. If you no longer read your Bible, if you're no longer interested in church, you have been listening to him far too much. He is working on you to take you down. You need to make up your mind right now, he is not stealing my joy. He's not stealing my victory. He's not stealing my health. He's not stealing my day. I'm going to have a good day no matter what he says in Jesus' name. You've got to decide, having done all to stand. You say, yeah, but I've been standing and standing and standing. Well, keep standing. But the mere fact that you think that there is no devil and that, that if, you know, there's got to be something wrong with you. How many of you have ever heard this, there is something wrong with you? You ever heard it? I've heard it. I mean, if God loved you, why would you be going through what you are going through? I mean, if God really cared, I mean, you prayed about it, and it looks to me like he hadn't answered your prayer. It looks to me like he don't even care about you. Am I the only one in this room, me and Zach, the only two in this room, that ever had trouble with our mind? You know something? For a while, when I had bad thoughts, I thought it was me. If you're a Christian, you wouldn't have those thoughts. Really? Jesus had them. You know he was tempted to commit suicide? Oh, no, no, he wasn't there. That wasn't real. I mean, the devil was sitting there talking to him. No, he wasn't. He was in his head. And he was being tempted in all points as you are. Realize this. Jesus went through every temptation you do. Even with Mary Magdalene. You might want to check her out. Never mind. I know y'all can't even think like that. Jesus never even had a bad thought. Oh, yeah, he did too. God put him down here in a body and let him experience everything you go through. People not liking him, people not loving him, people being ugly to him, people talking bad and him doubting himself. How do you think he found out who he was? When he got up in his own church and opened up to the book of Isaiah and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. How do you think he found out who he was? Reading a Bible. He didn't have God come to him and go, you are my son. And he goes, oh, dad, I know it. Mom told me. He found himself in the Bible. I found myself in that Bible. And when I did, I went, I think I like that guy. So let's talk about some more stuff you hear. You are no good. God doesn't love you. And you're not forgiven. You have committed a sin. And even God is not even going to tell you what it is. Oh, come on, y'all. Something wrong with you. You've committed the unpardonable sin. You're not anointed. And you're definitely not righteous. And you're ugly and the dog don't like you. Y'all are looking at me like a dog. How many, anybody in here ever struggle with depression? I have. You're not going to make it. 
you failed too many times. Even God doesn't like you. He loves you, but he don't like you. You know how I know? Because there's people who don't like me. That might be a sign that the devil don't like me. This shall be a sign unto you. Your relatives don't like you. In John 8, 44, it says, Satan is the father of lies. Did it ever dawn on you that maybe he's lying to you? Come on. Let me ask you a question. If you were no good, why would he bother you? Right. By the mere fact that he's bothering you must be an indication that he knows something about you you don't even know about you. You don't try to take something from someone who has nothing. You know, nobody's breaking in to poor people's houses. There's nothing in there. They only go to the rich neighborhoods. That's why he's bothering you. Because you're rich. All right, I'm saying all this because I'm going to get you free of, of all of the things that are trying to attach themselves to you through your mind. And you've got to learn what to do about your mind. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. So how do we defeat him? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. How do we defeat him? How do we deal with this? He not only, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. He, not, he will accuse you to you. Now, now, I'm going to tell you this right now. He will spend time talking to you about how ugly you are. If you pay attention, you'll leave wherever he is hating yourself. How? What does it matter if everyone else likes you and you don't? You know, a lot of times we see people throwing fits. It isn't the circumstance. It's what they're thinking about. Yesterday I went to get my truck washed and I was just thinking about it while it was raining. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sitting in the car wash place. And I was thinking about my love book. And someone got in a wreck in the car wash. I guess a car hit a car. I don't know what happened in there. And they came out and says, you're going to have to back up. I don't want to back up. I want to wash my truck and go home. Well, they backed everybody up and backed the car out and everything. And I'm sitting there, and it's not bothering me. Circumstances are not what's bothering you. What's bothering you is what you're thinking about when bad stuff happens. Now, if I was sitting there thinking about what a sorry dog I am and how everybody around me is a bunch of sorry dogs and these idiots can't get this stupid car through the car wash, when that guy says, back your truck up, I'd have probably had words with him. You'll back up my truck, you little punk. Let me tell you right now. Get out of this truck and whip you. So is that really his fault? Why are people so mad? They don't like their self. And if you're happy all the time, you're certainly driving them nuts. Plan on driving some more people nuts before this is over with. Look at this scripture right here. How do you do this? The weapons of our warfare. You're in a war. You need to wake up. You're in a war. Are not carnal, but mighty in God to pull down strongholds. What's a stronghold? They're thoughts that have taken root in your head. And they're probably not true. But they got you captive. Go to verse 5. Casting down arguments... And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every what? Thought into captivity. 
in the King James it says casting down imaginations. It's in your imagination. It's not necessarily true, but you got it in your imagination. They don't like me. They don't like me. My mama don't like me. My daddy didn't like me. Mom and dad left when I was a baby and they did it because they didn't like me. Don't tell me there's not a devil. Do you know how many people are captive in their imagination by some thought? When I was a boy in school, my mom and dad got a divorce. My dad was a military pilot in the Marines and he fought and drank and fought and drank. Now, I have, I, I, I've never condemned my own dad because I don't know what it's like to kill mm-hmm. and to fight for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he came home a full-blown alcoholic. Well, that just didn't work. Mom and dad fought, and I remember one night he popped her and knocked her down, and next thing you know, they're, they're getting a divorce, and we moved back to Athens, Georgia. The teacher in school made fun of me because I'm divorced. My mom's divorced. And she told me publicly that I was stupid. There's something wrong with a teacher telling a kid he's stupid because his parents. But but they just felt like, you know, back then divorce was not, most people just didn't do it. So I'm the only kid in school that I know of in my own class, whose parents are separate. And they all decided to make fun of it with me. Do you know that has an effect on you? You grow up thinking, man, there is something bad wrong with me. You have, without the word of God, you're never going to overcome that mess. You find out later you're a new creation, you're accepted in the beloved. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you know, I, I, I decided when I was young, the only way to stay out of trouble is just don't talk. Don't say anything and you'll never look stupid. And so the teacher asked me one time to spell the word if. It scared me so bad. I stood up and said, F-I. What do you think all the kids did? Oh, good Lord, they thought that was funny. When I sat down, I said, never again Well, I answer her questions, and I didn't. She'd call on me, and I'd just stare at her. She finally moved me to another class. When you get kicked out of third grade, it's because something's wrong with you. Maybe nothing. Maybe maybe I was just having a hard time with my parents breaking up. Are you all out there? See, every one of us in this room, don't shout me down. You deal with stuff that's happened, and you've taken it as though there's something wrong with you. If you are a new creation, and you are his workmanship, and he made you, what did he do wrong? Say nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm perfect. Turn to your spouse and say, did you hear that? I'm perfect. Listen, if you don't like you, it doesn't matter who likes you. How how do we grow up in America? You woke up this morning in the greatest nation on the earth, no matter who's in Washington. You woke up in a bed with an air conditioner running. You had breakfast over a stove indoors, not made with a fire. You didn't fight mosquitoes all last night. You went and sat in a bathroom that flushes and removes it. You got in an automobile and drove to a church with a very handsome pastor. Why in the world are you sad? If I don't like me, I got to believe in me if nobody else does. Amen. You know, I'm going to say this about politics, and I don't want anybody in here to get mad at me. Why are all the women on the left ugly and all the women on the right pretty? Am I the only one that ever noticed that when you're going through faith? You're like, oh, she's pretty. 
She's Republican. Oh, she's ugly. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's true. It's, it's true. So maybe righteousness will make you pretty or handsome. Amen. I think living right actually does Amen. make you look does. better. I do, I do. So, so let's come back to this because every one of us deal with this, but we don't talk about it very much because you're going to put on your best foot and pretend like everything's going right and hallelujah and just like, oh, that's all hell's breaking loose. And right while you're going through it, the devil is talking. God's not answering your prayer. You're never coming out of this. This isn't getting any better. Nobody cares about you. Every one of us deal with this stuff. And you're going to learn how to deal with it. Because he is a liar. He's a liar. So when you get to heaven, you're not going to have that. So apparently it's a demon. Right? You aren't producing those thoughts. There's nothing wrong with you. Woo! So we take every thought captive. How do we do that? Okay. I'm going to read something from a book right here. Um, th this Cindy Duval gave this book to Lisa. It actually says her name. What's, well, maybe, maybe I bought one since then. This says Daryl. Maybe I stole hers and put my name in it. <laughs> I steal a lot of Lisa's books. Yep. yep. She wasn't reading them anyway. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm making an accusation on it. She does read. She does read good. She reads a lot. I'm going to read something to you that I read years ago, and, it, and, and the, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth has set you free. I've had times in my life where I did something, probably not the right thing, and it did not turn out well. Well, I am a sort of a perfectionist. I, I want everything done right. And when I screw up, I become my own worst enemy. I forgive others, but I have a hard time forgiving me when I've caused trouble, and I mean big trouble. And then when other people remind me of it, I beat on me more. Do y'all do that? Yeah. yeah, I think all of us do to some degree. Because I want to, I went to school, I want to live right, I want to do right, and God knows I don't. I told Lisa one time, I says, here's the problem with me and you. You screw up alone, I screw up in front of everybody. When I do something stupid, it's public. I can preach a perfect sermon and say one stupid thing and people walk out and go, I don't believe he said that. And I'm only, but if, I, if you'll come back, I'll preach a good one, and eventually you'll forget the bad one. <laughs> you goofy things, you. I mean, seriously. Come on, y'all. Lighten up a little bit. Amen. I've had to look at people and go, there are no perfect pastors, and the one you're headed to when you leave this church is as bad as me because I know him. Amen. <laughs> All right, so much for that. And your spouse is not perfect either. We know her too. The believer has now accepted the place of exaltation with the Lord. There has opened for him a life of holiness in the presence of God and watchfulness in the presence of the enemy in a deeper sense than he has ever known before. His first lesson will be personal. He must learn the significance of the term Satan, adversary, and come to understand why one of his titles is the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12, 10. Just as Joshua in Zechariah 3, 1 said when he came to stand before the angel Jehovah, found Satan standing at the right hand to be his adversary, so will the spiritually energetic child of God encounter a constant stream of accusations in his own heart that will trouble him until he discovers the purpose of the enemy is to turn him in upon himself. Satan wants you to hate you. 
and he will talk to you until you get thoroughly convinced you're an idiot, a moron, and a mistake. And you've screwed up too many times for God to love you. I know nobody in here has ever done this. It's probably just for me and Zach. Anybody in here other than me ever go through anything in your mind? One more time. Anybody in here other than me ever go through battles in your head? You are not producing them. Temptation is not coming from your spirit. You can't produce fear. You can't produce lust. You can't produce sin. You're made a new creation. You're perfect. You're his workmanship. You are not producing discouragement. You're not producing doubt. It's coming at your head from the outside. You're going to have to learn what to do when it comes. And I'm going to tell you this. It'll probably come every day, some way or the other. It is very important how you wake up. Get out of bed and dance at the end of the bed and count it all joy and don't ask yourself how you feel. And you don't have to have coffee before you start confessing the word. Boy, I'm doing good. He will encounter a constant stream of accusations. Once you learn who you are in Christ, the devil is going to come at you. Will trouble him until he discovers the purpose of the enemy is to turn him in upon himself through the creating of a consciousness of personal unworthiness and draw you down from your place of perfect faith. Just the fact that he attacks you is proof you're not junk. Why would he bother you? Unless there's something to steal. He learns to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony as the only answer to the accusations. All right, let's move forward. Isaiah 61. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, I, 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 think, I think this is going to be real good. You turn back and say, he, he's already doing good. What's wrong with you? Isaiah 61. Don't you love the Bible? I, I tell you, just to sit and read it. Amen. Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus said this in his own home church in Nazareth, because the Lord anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That was you. To proclaim liberty to the captives. That was you. The opening of the prison to those that are bound. That's you. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was for you. The day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, console all who mourn in Zion, and to give us the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we will be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Say, I've been made righteous. God planted you for his glory. He planted you to show the world his goodness. He blesses you so the world can see that he is good. He's got a good life for you. Your future is good. Your day is good. He's answering your prayers. He has given you joy. Now the reason he planted you in the house of God and, and planted you righteous is because now Satan can't rip it up. He can't tear it up. You understand that until you are established in righteousness, I've been made righteous, you're constantly going to be trying to find your worth somewhere else. I don't get my worth from what I do. I get my worth on who I am and what he made me. I, you just won't hear me say this much. I'm a pastor. Do you know why? Because some people don't have a real good image of pastors. They think pastors are supposed to look like the guy on Princess Bride. Mowage. And I do not look like him at all. Did you know that all of the pastors on, TV, on movies are fruitcakes. 
They're all fruitcakes. And so I went, I went to pick up Shekinah Glory one time. And I, we had her in a hotel, had the, the girls and Ray. And I said, I'm here to pick up Cindy Duvall and Lois and Ray. She said, who are you? I said, I'm the pastor. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. She said, no, you're not. I am the pastor. She goes, no, you're not. I said, what makes you think I'm not? You don't act like one. I said, what do they act like? Well, they don't act like you. I pulled my card out, clergy. She said, I don't care what that says. You're not a pastor. Lady, I'll slap you. I told you. No. So I don't tell people I'm a pastor. And here's the other reason you don't tell them you're a pastor. When you do something stupid, they go, I knew you weren't saved. Pastors don't act like that. What do we act like? Listen, there are no perfect people. They ain't made any. There aren't any perfect pastors. There's no perfect church members. Your in-laws are not perfect. I know that may shock you. Every tree is full of nuts. And you might be one of the nuts. You never know. But it's amazing to me. So I, I don't tell, people say, who are you? I say, I'm a Christian. Because I'm basing who I am on what Jesus did. I don't preach Daryl. I preach Jesus. I didn't write the book. There's nothing in here. King Daryl James. New King Daryl. Sounds good, though. I don't get my worth from what I do. Because eventually what I do is going to fail. And then I'm going to sink. If you're getting your worth from what you do, you will get depressed. If you get your worth from what he did, you will not get depressed. Because what he did is the only thing to build your life on. He redeemed me from the curse of the law. He made me righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now let's move on. I want to look at Isaiah 53. I want you to back up for a minute. Go back to Isaiah 53. Verse 11. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by my knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. And he shall bear their iniquities. He bore them and you don't have them. They're not on you. Let's look at another one right here. O afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, 5411. Oh, let's read 10. The mountains shall depart and the hills removed. My kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. He's not stopping loving you because you are not perfect. He's not moved by your mistakes. O afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I'm going to lay your stones with colorful gems. I'm going to lay your foundations with sapphires. I'll make your pinnacles of rubies and your gates of crystal and your walls of precious stones. All of your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. And in righteousness you will be established and you will be far from oppression for you shall not fear and terror it will not come against you they will gather together against you but it is not me no weapon formed against you shall prosper for your righteousness is of me say my best days are ahead say devil you're a liar Hey, oh, come on, man. I'm doing really good. So he says the breastplate of righteousness. We read that. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Pop it on the screen. I want you to read this. The just live by what? Faith. 
Okay. We walk by what? And not by sight. We're not talking about your, just your eyes. We're talking about five physical senses. We don't walk by the way we hear, see, smell, or touch. That's not truth. That's a fact, but it's not the truth. Jesus said, you know the truth. So if we're going to walk by faith, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, then the shield of faith becomes very important in a battle with Satan, doesn't it? All right, you remember when you were a kid growing up, they said, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie. Words damage. If you take them, we have said things to people we should have never said to them. Because they damage them. We've had people say things to us they never should have said, but it wasn't God. All right, that's where you have to forgive them and yourself, but you're going to have to pick up a Bible because without the shield of faith, those accusations from Satan are going to hit your soul. And they're going to affect you negatively. You've got to get the shield up. Get it up and get it out there to where whatever the devil's saying to you, it's hitting the Word of God and not your mind. All right, now the next thing, because we have the shield of faith, but we have one more piece of armor. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians 4.13. What did Justin do? Oh, it's over here. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. It's not enough to believe the Bible. I'm going to have to preach over all this rain. It is not enough to believe it. I believe the Bible from black to black and can't to can't. Index to concordance. Is it in your mouth? Folks, listen, the only way to win this battle is with your mouth. You're going to have to pull this out. Now, you understand that the sword of the Spirit doesn't kill the devil, but he sure feels it. He knows when he's been stuck, and he hates the Word of God. You will never defeat him without it. Until the Word gets in your mouth, you're going to lose the fight. You're losing to the degree you're not opening your mouth. Look at this scripture. Since I have the same spirit of faith, just like David, just like Paul, as it is written, I believed and therefore I what? I spoke. Now, if you got to watch what you say in the presence of your in-laws and your outlaws if they're not spirit-filled believers. Because the average Christian in America does not talk to demons. When's the last time you walked in the room and heard someone going, Hey, Satan, I want to have a word with you. It doesn't happen very often. But it needs to happen with you. And you need to make sure you're somewhere safe before you begin this fight. So I'm going to tell a story. Always got a story. Right after I got born again, I'm, I'm, I'm working at Certain Teed in a fiberglass plant, and I'm on midnight to morning shift. It's about 4 in the morning. Now, in Georgia, about 4 in the morning, the, the fog rolls up the, the tracks, rolls into the warehouse where we were. And it's eerie back there in the back. You're riding back in the back, and it's foggy and dark, and there's like one light hanging. And I'm back there, and I'm loading a box car. But I think I'm alone, and the devil is giving me trouble. So I'm having a talk with him in the box car. And I'm hollering at him because he's deaf. I said, let me tell you something, Satan. You're not taking me down. Hey, I want to tell you, Satan. And I'm, and I'm calling him by name, and, I'm have, and I come out of the boxcar, and there is a young, skinny black boy sitting on a forklift. And his eyes are about that big in his head. And he said, Morgan, who are you talking to in the boxcar? I said, I was talking to the devil. Woo! 
the, he left. He said, well, if you are back here with the devil, I ain't staying back here with y'all. And buddy, he got out of Dodge. Because most people don't ever hear anybody say anything to him. Those are the people that scare me because you're usually the ones that are messed up. But if you're going to have a life of victory, Jesus talked to the devil. The devil said something, and he talked back. Goliath talked to David, and David talked back. Storm came up, and Jesus talked to it. The Bible says that the fig tree didn't give figs, and he said to it. You're going to start learning to talk to some stuff. How do you overcome the devil? How do you get this mess out of your head? There's only one way to do it, and you're going to have to take a bad thought and replace it with a good one. You're going to take a lie and replace it with truth. Your days of being depressed are over today. Your days of bad days are over right now. You don't have to have them. Circumstances don't change you. I don't care what's happening to you right now. Nothing in this book changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I shall not be defeated. Now, I didn't say that he wasn't tempting. To, he wasn't attempting to take me out. But he wants to jump on me. He's getting ready to get in the fight. All right. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go. Oh, man, I'm doing better this one than I did last time. Ephesians 1. Now, this is the way I read my Bible. I might read it a little different than you. A lot of people say, well, I read the Bible and it doesn't make no sense. Well, it, well, it's not supposed to make sense. It's supposed to be believed, not understood. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, let's start reading with verse 4. Well, let's read verse 3. I like verse 3. I think verse 3 is pretty good. Blessed be the God and the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, and therefore I am blessed. I am blessed. I'm not going to be blessed. I'm blessed right now. And just as he chose him before the foundation of the world, that I would be holy and without blame before him in love. Do you actually believe that scripture? Are you holy? Oh, you unholy, ugly thing, you. You'll never amount to nothing. You know good and well you ain't holy. Oh, my God, if the pastor knew what you did yesterday, you wouldn't be sitting here in church going, I'm holy. But you're a spirit. Sin has no dominion over me. Sin has no dominion over you. I am holy before him. No blame. No blame. No. If God is on my side, who's against me? No condemnation on me. Say it. There's no blame on me. No blame on me. Now, see, some of y'all actually going to start smiling before we walk out of here today. Amen. Having pre... Okay, just as he chose that I would be holy and without blame before him in love. He loves me, and there's nothing I can do about it. Hallelujah. You know, I love that scripture in John, that he loves me as much as he does Jesus. Wow, that's a wild scripture. But that's why he went to the cross for me having predestined us to adoption as sons, Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he made me accepted in the beloved. I am accepted. I am accepted. Why does everybody do stuff to become accepted? I don't need to do anything to be accepted. I'm already accepted. Amen. I done told you once, I ain't wearing skinny jeans. I don't care what you think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, I talked to Kenny this morning, and uh, let's talk about motorcycles for a minute. Did you know Harley Davidson says they don't sell motorcycles? You know what they say they sell? Image. If they can paint an image of you 
being a bad son of a gun. You will pay $20,000 for a piece of junk. I'll come over here. I didn't know. Do you know that the Harley Davidson is a 1950s airplane engine? Did you know that most of them don't last 10,000 miles before the heads fry? You just paid $20,000 so you can look bad. If you're a real man, buy a Honda. They're only $8,000. And they run because they have a radiator. Y'all are not enjoying this a bit. Someone asked me one time, I said, why didn't I buy a Harley? I said, because I'm a man, whether I'm riding a Harley, a Honda, or a tricycle. Don't get my worth from the bike I'm sitting on. I'm already a man. I said, big sissies buy Harley. That's why you bought one. Oh, boy, y'all didn't get that a bit. Anyway, it's a Harley Honda joke. How many times are we doing something so that people will like us? I'm not, you should do things so people like you, but what if they don't? Are you going to fall apart if somebody doesn't like you? Did you know that Jesus, though perfect, was not accepted in his own church? Do you know he was rejected by men, though perfect? You're not going to trump him. There's going to be somebody don't like you. We spend way too much time worrying about what people think. Andrew Womack made a statement at one time. Someone came up to him and got in his face and started fighting with him over something he believed. And he said, and who are you? Who are you? Excuse me? And who am I talking to that is so important that you're going to tell me what to do? I don't think so. I had a lady the other day she was telling me to do something and I went, I'm already married. She's like, what? I said, lady, I got one person telling me what to do and you're not going to get in line. I already got, I've already got a wife. And I ain't doing what you tell me to do, lady. She understood it. Say, I'm accepted. Say, I'm somebody. Doesn't it say in, in, in Ephesians 2.10, you are his workmanship. Can I ask you a question? If he had an unrighteous creature, why would he make an unrighteous new creature? And did he mess up? If he didn't mess up and you're his workmanship, why are you calling what God made junk? Come on, come on. Why do you treat yourself bad? Why do you talk to yourself and say, hey, stupid? You know, in, in our society today, TV has really messed up a lot of people. I was telling an earlier service, I watched a, a movie one day about a bunch of teenagers in school. There's a thousand girls in the school. All of them are models. And all of the boys were studs. I've never seen a school where everybody was pretty. The only church in town where all the women are pretty is this one. But the world has a standard that if you aren't, if you don't look a certain way, you're not worth much. So I'm going to tell you men a secret about pretty women. Pretty women marry ugly men. It is a scientific fact that the pretty girls in school married the ugly guys. Do you know why? Because the handsome guys were stuck on themselves and an ugly guy has to learn to be nice. She'd rather have nice than stuck up. Uh-huh. Amen. Oh, you pretty way to say, amen. Now Lenny knows what happened. She says, I want me a nice guy. Now you know why Lisa married me. 
I'm a nice guy. But the world has a standard. Who told you to accept it? Doesn't the Bible say that even Jesus had no comeliness that we would desire? There was nothing about him that you would go, oh, God, he's so handsome. He wasn't somebody that you'd look at because he looked like Mr. GQ. Normal, skinny Jewish guy with a beard that scratches when he kisses. Ephesians. In him we have redemption. In him I have redemption, the forgiveness of my sins, according to the riches of his grace that he made to abound toward me in all wisdom and prudence. If he has given me all wisdom, apparently I'm not stupid. Say, I'm not stupid. I'm trying to help us. Y'all, y'all look like it's raining outside or something. Did it ever dawn on you that you'll never know everything about everything? Did you know that most of the people in this room know things you don't know? There are people sitting in this room that know things I don't know. You don't know everything, but you know things we don't know. That makes you smart. It does. Because you, you have worked on one area to gain an expertise in it. And God uses you in that area. Don't allow people to judge you because you're not like them. I'm going to say this and Zach trying to, still trying to figure it out. Double D personalities are not sin. God did not go, oh, oops. We screwed up on Morgan. Did it dawn on you that he gave me this personality for a reason? And just because it's not like yours doesn't mean it's wrong. General Patton had a double D. They didn't like him, but he won wars. Trump is a double D. And people like him, but other people hate him. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He has a stronger personality than you think he does. Oh, yeah, he does. God did not mess up making you as a matter of fact you're unique there's only one of you and that means you're valuable that's good isn't it now now what am i talking about? i'm talking about let's get you need to get this stuff out of your head god doesn't answer my prayers god didn't answer your prayers what makes you think he didn't answer your prayers? God doesn't care about you. Who told you that? You're not forgiven. Who told you that? You aren't anybody. Who told you that? Those are lies. They're all, every one of them is a lie. You're going to do, you need, you're starting today, every one of us in this room are going to start doing something about this. I want you to walk out of this church quoting the word of God to the devil and let him have a full force of Bible. And I want you to wake up in the morning and I want you to give him heaven. Say, I'm not waiting until I die to go to heaven. I'm having heaven today. If God is for me, who could be against me? And I'm going to say this to you. You won't feel like it. You will feel like crying. But you put your feelings aside and you go, hey, devil, you listen to me. And I mean quote the word. Get those thoughts out of your head. Make up your mind right now. I'm going to have a good day. My next week is good. Next year is good. And there's not a Democrat in hell that can stop it. Or a rhino Republican. Or a relative. 
there is one thing that will make your, all the people that you don't like, if you really want to get them back, be happy. Because they're doing everything in their power to make you sad. And look at them and go, <laughs> I have some words for you. God is inside me. I have the mind of Christ. I got the wisdom of God. He answers all my prayers. <laughs> I'm having a good day today. Folks, it makes all the difference in the world how you, what you do. So he gave us armor. Put it on. We didn't get into the helmet of salvation, the feet shot. We didn't get in the rest of that. There's three pieces right here I brought out today. Righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. Say this right now. I will use them. Now let's begin. I am a new creation. God does not make junk. He made me righteous. He answers my prayers. He loves me. As much as he loves Jesus, I resist the devil. He is afraid of me. I've got authority over all his works. My family will come in. My prayers get answered. I am anointed, and I have the mind of Christ, and I know what I'm doing. Say, the money will come. I will never be broke. I don't care what the economy does. My God meets all of my needs according to his riches. I'm his special son. I'm his favorite. And all of you men, listen, I'm handsome. No matter what they say. All of you ladies say, I'm beautiful. If God made you, I mean, ladies, if I could get you to do one thing, stop letting Hollywood tell you Absolutely. what you need to look like. That's right. I mean, I think, I think handsome is so overrated that sometimes a man should just be ugly a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit ugly. I think bald should be in. I think receding hairlines should be vogue. I mean, you tore your pants up and thought it was cool. Why can't I tear my hair out? Man, if you lost some hair, you'd look better. Say hallelujah anyhow. I made up my mind I'm having a good life. And I'm not waiting on circumstances to do it. If Paul can sing in the bottom of a boat yeah. in a storm. And if he can sing in a jail, mm -hmm. my God, we ought to be able to sing in church on Sunday morning. I mean, even a bluebird sings when he gets just a worm, and you got a whole lot more than old worm. Right. Don't tell me a bluebird's smarter than you are. Right. Say, my best days are ahead. Right. Say, my pastor, my pastor is the best pastor. Well, I like that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and throw that up on the screen. I want you to read this with me. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I know there may not be a lot of people in here that are not born again, but as I speak this, I want you to imagine yourself leading someone to the Lord. Use that scripture. Say, the Lord is not slack. He is willing. He is not willing that anybody should perish and go to hell, but that all should come to repentance. I had someone come up to me a while back and say, you know, Jesus chose some to be saved and some not to be saved. And I looked at them and said, and so why did you happen to be in the group? What made you so special that you happened to be in the group that he counted you to be worthy to be saved and maybe not me or maybe not someone else? They couldn't answer me. This is out there, and I want you to remember this verse. And so I told this person, the Lord is not slack. 
concerning his prayer, his promise. He is not willing that one person should perish and go to hell, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I know I'm giving you different verses, but I'm giving you something to think about. And we're going to pray for you in just a minute. Ephesians 1, 4. This is what he was saying. But he chose us in him. He chose us to be in him. He chose the world to be in him if they would accept him. What did he choose us? He chose us that we should be what? Holy and without blame in Jesus because of Jesus' righteousness. Verse 5, having predestined us that some should be saved and some should not be saved. No, what did he predestine and prethink and forethought? He forethought you and all of the world to have the opportunity to be adopted as a son by Jesus Christ. That was the predestination. He called us all to be able to be adopted by Jesus Christ himself for the good pleasure of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glory, which he has made us all accepted in the beloved. If you're here this morning, you've been predestined, every one of you, to be called the son and daughter of God. You've been predestined and thought out and planned that we should be in Christ Jesus and called holy and called righteous. If you're here this morning and you've never been called holy and righteous. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.